0: marlo editor-in-chief of breitbart news and this is the breitbart news daily podcast we begin the show today with the vetting of kathy kathy barnett that is the outsider candidate who's in a three-way dogfight in pennsylvania in the republican primary there for the senate she's been largely unknown to the public at this point despite the fact that the election is next week a donald trump who endorsed one of her opponents dr oz the other being Dave McCormick, uh, has warned that if she wins the primary. The Democrats will be very excited about the general election. I'm inclined to agree with Trump here, but it is, of course, a bit ironic coming from, you know, the ultimate outsider himself, DJT. Then we get into the baby formula crisis. Reports of pallets of formula being sent to the southern border has people in an outrage. This, of course, will help the cartels who have smuggled children to America to uh, fit their own purposes. If this is true, there is, and there really is no reason to doubt that it is. It's truly insane, considering we can't even get enough formula to American stores for American babies. Not to say any baby should suffer. This is just still a truly insane policy from our increasingly ridiculous government. But. That isn't the only supply chain crisis we discuss. There is something called IV contrast solution, which is necessary for all sorts of medical functions, in particular CT scans that is now sparsely available. And our dependence on China is to blame almost entirely for this. And I explained in the opening of the show. Uh, Joe Biden is refusing to allow new drilling permits despite the soaring energy prices. Abortion radicalism has subsumed the Democrat Party. There's new details on that. And masks are returning to schools. All of this plus much more in the monologue. Then today we have two guests. First, Colin Medine, who is our tech editor at Breitbart, who made an emergency appearance because during the show it broke that Elon Musk, the Tesla and SpaceX CEO, has put the deal to buy Twitter on hold. Colin and I are both Musk skeptics, but we're both very complimentary of this move, at least for now, and hear the interview as we explain. Then John Carney joins us. He's our economic and finance editor. He breaks down the latest Biden inflation numbers, which are horrifying, and then helps us make sense of the baby formula crisis. A big show today, let's get started. We'll start with the most interesting story, and then I will get to the most important stories. But the most interesting story definitely right now, the world is buzzing about Kathy Barnett, who people are have just dawned on them that she's got a chance to win the Pennsylvania primary in for because she's going up against uh, a couple of opponents who are not particularly strong opponents. You've got uh, Dr. Oz who is a, as I have no, think has no business being in a Republican primary, and then you've got a guy named David McCormick, who is a, a little too generic, I think, for some people. I think it's the main knock on him. He kind of has the look and background of every other person in the Senate, and he's mostly spent his time in Connecticut. He's uh, had a background of being a sort of, uh, connected to pro-China globalism even though he's saying all the right stuff on the campaign trail. I, I've said that the whole time. I have not heard one thing he said that has bothered me too much and I watch the debates and um, I've seen his what he says in his stump speeches and he seems like he's on message but the background is the background. The background is hedge fund um and you know pro China money that stuff which is bothersome to people understandably so, but so then the last person in the mix and there's three people that are all pulling almost exactly the same is a lady Kathy Barnett who is, is says stuff that's very inspiring to the base. She's got an amazing story of how she was basically it's a miracle she wasn't aborted to begin with and that's the timing is pretty surreal that that's the issue at hand all of a sudden Um, but no one's vetted her she's completely unvetted and i think that is something that is happening now at the last second people are trying to figure out exactly who she is and the first thing that's kind of caused some concerns for people is that she it had a she's military service in the uh, Army National Guard for whatever reason her website said the Armed Forces National Guard which is not the same and then there was a discrepancy over uh, how much time was active duty how much wasn't and whether or not her service was ten years as said in her website or seven and we haven't gotten clear answers on this stuff and then she said she was gonna turn over a certain form and then didn't which people thought was odd and then people were wondering, well, maybe she never had the form, and she was just a mis- it was just a mistake. But now it turns out she had this particular form called the DD two fourteen. It's very common for candidates to show it to the public, and she just hasn't for whatever reason. So that was the one that was kind of getting some buzz until later in the day yesterday, when she was on a show called the Chris Degale Show, a show that I've been on in the past, um, where she was asked about uh, whether or not. Um, she was asked about um, her t- vote in 2016. She actually asked specifically about her first vote in the state of Pennsylvania, and she responded that she voted for Trump in 2016. Uh, the only problem is, is that she wrote a memoir in which she said that she did not vote for Trump in 2016, and that's kind of not a great thing to say because it's clear that she's not telling the truth or she's completely spaced out on her vote in 2016, and it's just kind of... The strikes she was mildly dishonest. Uh, she wrote in her book, praise God for second chances, though I didn't vote for Trump in the primaries by the time the general election rolled around. I was firm, f- uh, firmly on the first car of the Trump train. Uh, and I think that's fair that she's on the Trump train now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But it is interesting that she yesterday said that she voted for uh, Trump in the primaries when her own book said she didn't. Uh, and it just reminds me of the main thing that's happening here, which is that no one knows who she is, as I said over and over again. And I said this specifically on the show, I forget if it was in the opening, uh, or uh, later on in the broadcast, but if you're really enthusiastically behind her, it, it, it is, I don't, I understand why you would support her over the other two. I totally get it. But what I don't get is some of the bandwagoning that I'm seeing on the right, because it's clear we don't really know who she is. And I will tell you this as someone who is makes it my business to know all this stuff, because yesterday someone sent me a slew of tweets that she sent out in 2016, in March and April, where she was attacking Breitbart, and specifically because of uh, Breitbart's um, not re- refusing to immediately condemn Corey Lewandowski when he had this dust up with a Breitbart reporter. named Michelle Fields in 2016. Some of you might recall this. It was not a great moment for anyone, for the Trump campaign or for Breitbart in general, but she was piling on us in 2016. I was not even aware of this until yesterday when someone sent it to me. So it's, again, I have a pretty big news operation and no one on my team had figured this out until yesterday. And it just makes me think that there's a lot of people out there who are on this bandwagon who don't really know why they're on it. They're on it because they don't like Oz, understandable, and they're on it because they don't trust McCormick yet, which is understandable. So, but it is noteworthy to point that out. If you're uh, fence sitting that we're getting some funky stuff over here, and it's noteworthy the Democrats are excited about this. Uh, that's been, they're even openly excited about it. And uh, as we noted uh, also previously on the broadcast, the guy who's winning in the polls on the, on the Republican side for Pennsylvania for governor is a real weirdo, this guy named Mastriano, who's actually there at January the 6th and attacked one of our Breitbart reporters' Christianity, literally attacked one of our reporters' Christianity, because um, she asked him a tough question. And you're hearing me say very closely, I'm not saying who I endorse or who I would vote for, even. I'm just telling you the bandwagoning is clearly not a uh, pure that we're seeing because we don't know who this person is so she uh calling on trump to fire corey lewandowski and uh hyping stories about breitbart editors resigning great so that was what was happening in 2016 then all of a sudden yesterday she said she voted for trump in the primary so it's just not true so why is it did she just forget just select the memory loss or something or is it that she's not being honest with you guys? I don't know. Politicians are dishonest. She's in the middle of a primary and there's a chance she could win and there's a chance she could be the best senator of the group. So, don't don't hear don't hear otherwise. I was starting to get the emails yesterday of people thinking that, you know, we should be doing more to support her as if that's my role, which is not. My role is to figure out who these individuals are, who you guys have as your choices. And that's what we're trying to piece together kind of at the last minute, as is at any everyone else who just really started realizing that this was not a two person race. This is a three person race over the last week or two. And one of the reasons why that's the case is because of the issue of abortion uh, with this leaked Supreme Court um, ruling, which should never have leaked. Isn't that something? So and that is, of course, what Democrats would rather talk about right now because they have almost nothing nice to say. But I don't think it's helping them necessarily. A lot of people are pointing out it seems like the Democrats are um, uh, struggling a little bit to get more momentum on the abortion issue. Um, But a the pro-choice caucus has sent out messaging materials to House Democrats on Roe versus Wade, according to a congressional reporter from Politico. Polico puts out a lot of fake news, but I have no real reason to doubt this one. And uh, let me read this. is almost beyond belief. Uh, harmful language, choice. Helpful language, decision. So being pro-choice, I guess, now is not, is not good language. Um, here is the frightening one. R- r- the uh, harmful language, reduce abortion or safe, legal, and rare. Remember the quote? Safe, legal, and rare was the way abortion was described over the years. Like that was the goal. Now you want to be safe, legal, and accessible. So they don't, they're dropping that abortion should be rare. So this is a big issue that the Democrats have moved from abortion should be safe, legal, and rare, which is a, I think a position held by the vast majority of Americans. Maybe not the vast majority at this point due to the advances in technology, but I would put, if should abortion be safe, legal, and rare? I'm guessing if you pose that as a poll I'm guessing you're getting between fifty and seventy percent. Give that one the thumbs up. Um, should abortion be safe, legal, and accessible? Then I think you're dipping well below fifty percent because of the word "accessible." I don't, don't think that a, a "accessible" resonates with people. It doesn't resonate with me. Safe, legal, and rare. If I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, yeah, that makes sense. Safe for sure. Legal, maybe in some, uh, uh, in some cases. Though legal, of course, is the one where, you know, it, it, that's the that's the the widest range um, of whether or not, you know, it's a good idea or not. And rare, of course. Of course, we want rare. So then you're kind of bringing in, even me, a, a hardcore pro-life person, I'm thinking about it. I don't know if I, if I give that one a thumbs up, but I'm thinking about it at least. Because safe and rare, for sure. And it should it be legal at all. That's the tougher question. But, I mean, can you find one exception, I guess, the Health of the Mother? Sure. Okay, I'm in. You could see that being that's why the messaging was so good before. And then um, you've got safe, legal, and accessible. I don't know about accessible. I don't know if that's the goal. I think it's too accessible. I think it should be less accessible. So they're moving that messaging around. Um, you're not supposed to say unwanted pregnancy. Now The now you say unexpected and there's more. They don't want you to talk about back alley abortions or coat hangers now. They want you to talk about criminalizing health care because the termination of nascent human life is uh, health care now. That's, that's the branding. So that's what the the Democrats like to talk about. Pelosi's trying to push the conversation in that direction. Um, let's, uh, let, let's play cut two. Here's the speaker. Let's see what she has to say. Every day, Republicans
1: show their intention to punish and control women, uh, women's most personal health reproductive decisions. The geo-pointed Supreme Court put there for the purpose. You know, in our country, we have always had, because of the brilliance and genius of our Constitution, an expansion of freedom. With this possible or the suggested draft of it, would be the first time a court has expanded freedom and then ret- and then contracted it.
0: Wow, she's really brilliant. She's definitely losing her fastball there, but that's kind of it. It's the Republicans are trying to control women's health. It's not about uh, whether or not we're trying to d- defend human life in the womb. So they're just not talking like adults, and I don't know if this works in the social media age. This might have worked 30 years ago where the networks controlled all the debate on issues. But in this moment, our current time, where a lot of people do have access to so much information and can form erroneous opinions fairly easily, should they choose to, I don't know if this condescension is going to work. One of those unbelievable quotes you'll hear is from Congresswoman Katie Porter from California, who's a rising star on the left wing of the Democrat Party. She's one of these people who is a fighter and is someone who's very determined and is very woke. And here's her connecting abortion to inflation. Check this one out. Cut Four.
1: How does inflation compare to this newly uh, important in the sense of the Supreme Court decision pending uh, an abortion issue? How do those two issues compare? Well, I don't think they compare. I think they actually reinforce each other. So the fact that Things like inflation can happen and it can become more expensive to feed your kids and to fuel your car um, is exactly why people need to be able to be in charge of how many mouths they're going to have to feed. So I think the fact that we're seeing this jump in expenses, um, that we're seeing people having to pay more in the grocery store, pay more at the pump, pay more for housing is a reason that people are saying, I need to be able to make my own decisions Uh, about when and if to start. this is monstrous.
0: This is monstrous. And I will tell you, if uh, someone who is a parent of young children, uh, my highest recommendation to all of you is you do not determine how many children you will have in your life based on the price of food or of gas. I don't think that's what you choose to decide whether or not you should bring uh, another human being to love and cherish and to hopefully have a relationship with your entire life and hopefully pass on your values and help hopefully uh, raise to make society a better place uh, you do not make those decisions based on the price of food and gas if you're already pregnant in particular which is what she's implying that if the is there a is there a literal number she is in mind like gas right now um in uh, my neck of the woods we're filling up between 100 and 130 bucks a gallon if it's down to 80 bucks should i have another kid or how about if food prices, uh, the price of my uh, favorite salmon fillet at the Whole Foods, uh, used to be eight bucks a pound, now it's twelve bucks a pound. Um, if it goes to, if it goes back to nine bucks a pound, should I have another kid, or should I because it's up to twelve now? Shouldn't have any more kids. This is monstrous viewpoint. This is it's murderous. It is. Uh, th- that is this is the, one of the issues with where the Democrats have gone on this topic. It is not they're away from safe, legal and rare. And they are now to you can uh, essentially kill your children you've already conceived of because of the cost of food and gas prices. This is radicalizing to hear statements like this. This radicalizes people against the pro-choice, the pro-abortion movement. So I I, I, the, I don't. I don't honestly believe, I don't even know if I believe Katie Porter believes this. I think she's, this is a lifetime of indoctrination and brainwash that happens in places out in California. I think she was a teacher beforehand, so obviously hanging out with a bunch of left-wingers. Not to say there aren't a lot of right-wing teachers, but the teachers in California, you're hanging out with a lot of left-wingers. That is wild. Because of inflation and because of gas prices thus you can you should have the opportunity to think about aborting your children who you've already conceived of here's the thing please if you're that concerned about the cost of gas and the cost of food when it comes to having children please do not conceive and there's only one way to guarantee you don't conceive so you can do the math on that by all means that's that much of a concern uh, do everything you can to avoid conceiving child. Yikes! Um, really horrible stuff coming out of the Biden White House on a related topic, which is the baby formula issue, which is I think maybe the biggest story going. Potentially one of the biggest stories of the decade if the Biden administration doesn't get this under control. Because I just don't see how any Democrat connected to Joe Biden. Um, can reasonably win elections if they're letting babies suffer um, there is a, a, a lot of discussion going around on what is to be done when it comes to if you run out of your preferred formula or you run out of a formula in general and the White House has advised parents to call their doctor which is actually correct but it's also quite pathetic that that is the case. So there, uh, there, the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, said calling your doctor is the way to go if you've run out of food for your babies. I agree with this statement. The problem is the White House should have had a plan. Marco Rubio's called on the Biden administration to invoke the the Defense Production Act to address baby formula shortages the same way Trump did to get ventilators out during the pandemic. But you uh, force other companies in a crisis to uh, produce the materials. I I don't know if it'll work, but I like the uh, thinking, and I think it's even a little late for Republicans who should have been on this too. But I don't think the Biden administration can let babies suffer for any length of time and uh, continue to get elected it's just not it's just a threshold that they can't pass the buck to putin on that one i'll tell you that um i will say for the parents in the audience i spent uh, several hours yesterday driving around trying to get as much baby formula as i can uh, our preferred formula for the Marlowe household is uh, uh, all gone um, I was able to get maybe a week and a half to two weeks of our preferred formula. Uh, there's a similar, slightly inferior type, and I got a couple of months worth of that. But it was, you know, I was averaging probably less than one tub per store, and I went to eight or ten stores. Um, and I, there were stores, one of my go-to stores to get formula in general— To make sure because i've noticed over the last month or two that our preferred formula is becoming more sparse before this was widely reported on in the press uh, my preferred store maybe had a 10 15 full in terms of their stock on the floor so i have a family member who will be going to a rite aid in the middle of the night this morning to try to pick up some because we got a lead on a formula drop That's the level that it's going to take. Or, of course, people are not going to be as quite, quite yet. They're not going to be as focused on this as I am because I'm in the news every day. A lot of people out there who are just uh, or have not gotten the picture yet. And let's not forget, baby formula is incredibly expensive. It's between you know twenty and fifty bucks a tub. And the tubs last, you know, for my uh, a daughter, who's three and a half months, maybe about a week. So a lot of people can't, you know, fork over 200 bucks um, so they can have a month of leeway. They can't fork over 400 bucks so they have two months of leeway. And we don't know how long this is going to go on right now. And so what are we hearing about? We're hearing about Pelosi has planned a bill next week to address oil price gouging. And we're hearing about uh, whether or not Republicans want to take away health care from people, meaning uh, they're not sufficiently pliant to the abortion uh, industry. This is the makings of a nightmare nationally and particularly a nightmare for Democrats who uh, I just don't see how they get around a a total political disaster of this gets any worse. Of course, I'm concerned about the babies first and foremost, but I will note politically because, you know, it's what a part of, of my service on the show. Is that I don't see this one as being able to be ignored by anyone if it gets worse. I mentioned in my interview yesterday with JD Vance, which is part of our podcast, and I do recommend everyone get the podcast, Breitbart News Daily podcast. Uh, a lot of people really like it, even those who listen to the daily show. It's a great way to catch up on things, more efficient. Um, and the in my interview with JD Vance, the, which we did in the third hour yesterday on the live show. Uh, it is we I brought up with him this issue that the FDA has reported a shortage of contrast media for CT imaging, and this is a, a serum or the liquid that is used. It's an IV and it's injected in the body and it's used in things like CT scans, etc. And it is made by a General Electric Healthcare uh, almost exclusively. And the it is used to track basic things, for example, cancer. And you guys know that I've got uh, access to a lot of doctors in that field. And this is something that is used on a routine basis to try to track how cancer is progressing, among other things. So it is something that is utterly essential to being able to run a healthcare system, run a hospital, and to care for uh, Americans and American patients in a basic function. Um, it's IV contrast fluid that is uh, used to track the most fundamental things that we could have in our healthcare system, and we have a massive shortage. So I, John Carney, look into it, and I we don't have our story up yet, but we will have it later. So, so John, what's going on here? How come we can't this seems like another one, We're like baby formula. How irresponsible are we if we can't get enough IV contrast fluid for, C, for, T, for uh, CT imaging? And Carney was able to figure it out pretty quick that virtually all of the IV contrast fluid in the United States is produced by GE Healthcare in where? American company, by the way, in where? Shanghai, China, specifically. The part of China, not just China itself, specifically the part of China that endured all those horrific lockdowns, uh, which we saw all the footage of over the last few weeks. So, and the Chinese government is putting uh, parts of Shanghai back under lockdown right now as coronavirus surges. Is that unbelievable? Not just China. I mean, this is the type of stuff that if I wrote this in a fictional book about the pandemic. Um, it would, I don't know if I could have come up with this detail. It's too good. If I wrote it in a Hollywood script, I have a feeling that the uh, producers would say this is too on the nose, that not only are we unable to track cancer because we don't have basic products, it's because those products are made in the one region of the world that's going through the worst lockdowns at the moment. But a bunch of other things to note um, to keep gas prices soaring. Joe Biden has killed the Alaska and Gulf drilling leases. This was big news from Wednesday. I think it came up briefly yesterday, but I want to emphasize this. Gulf of Mexico and Alaska's Cook Inlet uh, have now had all gas and oil leases suspended. And Pelosi will blame oil companies for gouging today. That will be the plan, right legislation that we can all talk about. Drill, baby, drill. How mu- how right was Sarah Palin on so many things? Horrible news on inflation, even worse than anticipated. John Carney will be on later in the broadcast. We we'll get into all the details, but producer price indexes are up 11% in April compared to a year ago, fifth straight month at above 10%. Um, Carney breaks down all the details for us in his ride up at Breitbart, but these are all indications that a inflation is hitting wholesale prices um but it's not just focused on wholesale prices it's based on what businesses and producers of goods and services in the u.s were paid for goods and services so that's basically what it is along with the consumer price index people get a good sense of how bad inflation is how hot it is and it's red hot Prices sky high for trucking, freight trains, air freight, and warehousing, among other things. It's hard, it's hard to get into how bad this is going to be if this continues for this country right now. It just feels like we're on the brink of something bad. It's, it's hard to look at this slate of headlines and to see what we're focused on. Calvin Klein has featured a pregnant trans man as an underwear model in a Mother's Day campaign. So we didn't catch this until yesterday at Breitbart, but that was uh, pretty unbelievable. That's what the left is focused on right now. They want to make sure there's unlimited abortion to the the moment of birth, a barbaric procedure. They want to make sure that we're holding the oil companies accountable for alleged gouging. And... They want to make sure that there's enough trans-pregnant men who are in underwear advertisements for Mother's Day. Another problem for Big Joey is a million people have now died from coronavirus, 60% under Biden, who had the vaccines the whole time. Masks are coming back in some public schools. We've been tracking at Breitbart. If there is a silver lining is that there are so many Republicans who are getting the picture. They're starting to fight back. They're starting to move on from the establishment. One thing that's noteworthy out in Texas is George P. Bush, who is running against Ken Paxton, uh, who is the attorney general there. Ken Paxton is a regular on the show, and he's been very uh, forward thinking on some of the issues like holding big tech, particularly Google, accountable. He's sort of a classic fighter and is with us politically in Breitbart. So I, I, I admit um, I've got a slight bias uh, in this one. But of all the Bushes, it seems like George P. Bush seems to be the most uh, reasonable and compelling of the Bushes. And he's just getting trounced in Texas, and people are blaming it mostly on that his last name's Bush. And I admit I don't hate that because people's instinct now is to move on from the establishment. That's what they want to do. And even though it feels a little unfortunate for the individual named George P. Bush, because maybe he's not so bad of all the Bushes. But people are sick of the Bushes. They're sick of the establishment, and I think that's the vibe that people are getting in conservative Republican circles throughout the country. So if there's there's one thing I can say, it is that the agendas that are being put forward by Republicans like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott are are really resonating in a major way. According to a report, Hollywood executives are very nervous about abortion activism within their companies because of the Disney-Florida fight, which saw Disney's stock plummet. And is going to cost Disney a bunch of money because they're losing tax exempt status. DeSantis got a big victory that his uh, efforts to block his um, uh, efforts to block his lawsuit or there was a lawsuit to dismiss his challenge to uh, Florida's law that would dissolve Disney's special district treatment. All of that was thrown out. So he's in good standing there and this is causing a ripple effect. It's really making a difference. And we live to make a difference here at Breitbart News Daily and um, trying to inspire people to, to join us in that. It's not enough just to whine and grouse. You've got to put forward something that's better. the broadcast, which does not happen that much when you've got the first show of the day, the 6 a.m. Eastern time slot, as we do on Sirius XM Patriot 125 with Breitbart News Daily, the full three hour show. Uh, you don't get a ton of breaking news at that time of day, sometimes overseas, but uh, this was a pretty big shock that Elon Musk tweeted that the Twitter deal is on hold. He's put the brakes on it, and essentially his rationale is that Twitter was probably lying to him about how many bots are on the the platform, which are these sort of programmatic uh, essentially robots that are tweeting stuff and are jacking up engagement numbers. So there might be some sort of false pretense going on. Uh, I get Colin to break the news and explain what it means. And then we get into why we think uh, overall Musk is probably playing some pretty smart chess uh, in this move in particular. And I ask him whether or not uh, it's a high-fiving time at Truth Social HQ. You'll want to hear his answer on that right now. Colin, thanks for uh, chiming in early this morning. First, tell us what's going on and then tell us what you think it all
2: means. So we all woke up to this shocker news this morning of Elon Musk, appropriately enough, tweeting that he was putting the Twitter deal on hold. Uh, This makes a lot of sense if you've been following Breitbart News tech coverage recently because we put up an article a few days ago where these analysts came out. They placed a big bet against Twitter shares because they're saying... Elon Musk has Twitter over a barrel. He can do anything he wants, including demanding a lower purchase price because they're completely helpless without them. That's you know, that was the analyst opinion. And that's kind of what we're seeing play out here. Uh, so my perspective on this is that it's related to a few things. First of all, Twitter came out with a miserable earnings report last week. And part of that earnings report, they said, oh, sorry, guys, my bad. We've been double counting some users. So for anyone who follows social media companies on, on Wall Street, the entire basis of their valuation in many cases is how many active users they have every day, every week, every month that go to that site. So Twitter had to come out and admit they've been miscounting some users. They've been overcounting. You know, they never undercount. They always overcount, right? Um, so that happened. And then they've come out with a report saying, oh, only 5% of the accounts on Twitter are bots. And uh, people who've been following Musk on this issue know he's very anti-bot. He wants less fake accounts, less spam accounts, less bots, which are inhuman accounts. Um, so, you know, I personally chuckled when I saw that 5% number because I've never seen a number that optimistic. You know, the lower the number of bots, the better for the platform. I've never seen anyone say Twitter's only 5% bots. Typically, the rule of thumb uh, is maybe 15 to 20% bots. And a lot of us have suspected that percentage of bots is much, much higher because bots make Twitter money. They're active users. They're on the platform. They're retweeting things. They're liking things. So, you know, they have a vested interest, essentially, in having bots. So they came out and said that we only have 5% bots. Elon apparently doesn't believe that, and he's probably ticked off about that counting issue. And he's saying this is on hold because, you know, from an outside perspective, it's him saying, I'm paying too much for this garbage platform, so we're going to reassess things.
0: Wow, so there's so much in there. The so many follow-ups. Uh, so the first of all, is his suggestion that the five percent bots rate is, is he more concerned that that is, um, uh, is he mostly concerned that that would be a lie, and that and would he be concerned about the lie itself, or perhaps what the lie would represent? Because that seems like a total lie. I mean, it seems like Twitter's at least a hundred percent bots uh, at this point, and I'm being somewhat tongue in cheek, but it really does feel like it's like a third <laughs> or half. Of platform um and it is i would be shocked if it's less than a quarter of the platform i would not be surprised if it was 50 percent of the platform um so it, to say it's five percent seems ridiculous it, but why would he care that much that he'd say i'm pulling the deal is it because he thinks maybe he's going to overpay or because he actually thinks twitter are a bunch of liars and maybe this is going to be more trouble than it's worth
2: I would lean more towards the overpay aspect, Alex. And the reason is is we know, we know that he thinks they're a total clown show and that he can do everything better than them. He's made that abundantly clear with, uh, based on his presentation to investors. But, you know, this guy's plan, if this deal goes through is to try to fix the platform and IPO it in three years and make a bazillion dollars on the deal. Yeah. So, you know, what he's saying to investors is, hey, we're going to fix things, the t- number of Twitter users is going to skyrocket, everything's going to be beautiful. Well, you're starting, you know, you're not starting on at home plate, you're starting in the back of the dugout if actually 50% of the current users are fake, or 35%, and suddenly, you know, you got this company who you're acquiring trying to sell you on the fact that it's 5% fake, uh, you know, that that's a huge warning flag, Not not that they're lying because he considers them bumbling, lying incompetence, but because you're paying, you know, you created this value that you've offered the company to buy them out based on a number of metrics. And one of those metrics is how many people go to this platform so you know where you're starting at. Uh, And if if that metric's off and that's the lifeblood of social media, you've got a major problem
0: um the uh, this is this is really interesting and it just uh is one of these ones where Colin I know we spoke about probably on air um definitely offline and possibly in on the website though I don't recall if we wrote this out specifically at brightbird.com, but I, I know it's come up the suggestion that musk was always going to have the opportunities to get off the freeway here. And it seems like this is one of them. So are you thinking maybe Musk was has always been looking for off-ramps, or is it some sort of a negotiating tactic? Or do you think he's being genuine here that they need to figure out how they got this bogus 5% number? Or, or, or I'm trying to figure out what's really going on. And Musk is a right. 4-D chess player. He's one of the few guys out there that I feel like I don't always know exactly what he's up to. Um, I know that's kind of, I guess, was self-aggrandizing, but uh, what can I say? Uh, it's, it, 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 it is what we do for a living. <laughs> it is your um, show. But, yeah, and it, and it is kind of what, what we try to do is try to figure out the patterns and things. He doesn't always fit a super clear pattern, but what do we really think this is about? I mean, do we think that he's always been looking to get out, or is this a leverage thing?
2: Um, I don't see any reason why it can't be both. Uh, He probably, based on his success, you know, his his serial uh, CEO style of having multiple companies, he probably believes that he can come in, fix it, take out all the lefty, crazy employees and make a new platform and IPO it. That's that, you know, probably makes sense in his mind. Uh, But, you know, he has every step of the way through this purchase process, he has left himself out. It started with his very first offer where he said, if the board doesn't take this offer, I'll probably have to sell all my Twitter stock because I don't believe in the company anymore. So he's always left himself out. This deal was crafted to have an out. He can walk away and pay a billion bucks and just forget it. Uh, That seems like a lot of money to me or you, but, you know, he's made more than a billion, well, more than a billion on just the Twitter shares he bought before this was announced. So it's not, you know, it's it's not a world ender for him. Uh, so he's always giving himself. I mean, out. Colin. I mean, Let's put it this way: if I made a
0: billion, we'd have a really fun weekend. At the Marlowe household, I'll tell you that. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, You'd probably afford some baby formula.
0: Yeah, it's true. In fact, but, I could, I could I hire, believe- I could hire, I could hire someone in a mask to go drive by themselves in a car to go pick it up for me. Um, yeah, but I'm yeah. sorry. The, the, the continue.
2: Well, I would just say, you know, he's always had an out and he's always wanted to have these outs. But at the same time, you know, he, he's doing exactly what the analysts predicted, which is he holds all the cards. He has this company over a barrel. He didn't like some of the things they've said, and he's going to take them to task. So you know, if the deal moves forward, it's going to be at a lower price.
0: Yeah, fascinating. Um, let me uh, ask you about Tesla right now, because Tesla's down 39% year to date. And that represents a just a colossal loss for Musk. And again, I mean, he is playing with the proverbial monopoly money. So it's just hard to see how much this is going to affect him uh, at all. And this is well beyond my ability to comprehend what your calculus is like when you have this much wealth. But he's lost so much in Tesla. I mean, he's lost a Twitter personally in Tesla stock, correct? I mean, that's about how much right. he's lost, maybe more so. Uh, Again, how does this factor in?
2: Well, it's very, very important for multiple reasons. First of all, if you're a Tesla shareholder and you're the Tesla board, you should be asking serious questions. Why is my CEO running around playing games, buying a social media company instead of running the most valuable car company on the stock market? That's an important question that, that they're not asking yet because they kind of treat Elon like a god. Um, you know, the other big factor to what you just said is it's important to understand that Elon Musk's wealth as the wealthiest human on Earth is not like Scrooge McDuck. He doesn't have a large building filled with gold that he can swim in. His wealth is largely tied up in these companies he owns, which are leveraged to each other. So when Tesla stock goes down a lot, that hurts his ability to buy Twitter because he's borrowing money against Tesla stock. When Tesla stock goes down, that hurts SpaceX because SpaceX has various ties together in, in his wealth with Tesla. So Tesla is largely the economic engine that fuels a lot of his other endeavors. So, you know, he needs to take care of the goose that lays the golden egg. And, you know, the goose that lays the golden egg is down 40% year to date. Uh, now, all of Silicon Valley's taken a beating, uh, and it's still treated like a Silicon Valley company, even though he's left California. But, you know, he needs to, he ought to be worrying about that. If he's losing sleep about anything, it shouldn't be how it's a Twitter deal. It should be Tesla.
0: So uh, are they high-fiving in the true social uh, HQ this morning?
2: It's hard to know what's going on in that HQ. <laughs> um, you know, I, at least they have the, the commander-in-chief uh, truthing on there. So that's a big positive. But, you know, if they are, I think it's a little too early because, you know, I I wouldn't say that this deal is dead. I think it's Elon being Elon and he's going to use this to uh, drive down the price. Uh, I I would put that at a higher percentage chance than uh, he just walks away from it right now. But
0: hey, I, 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 I do too, and again, this is where I'm doing my pattern thing, Colin, but it just seems like one where it just seems like he's got the upper hand here. He just seems like he busted them in a clean bust, and he's making a move, and it just, it just seems like good chess playing. I mean, it just seems like he's got—this is such a bogus report— um, they're using it to create a valuation that's higher than it is. Uh, and it, he's just saying that's not how I roll. I mean, it's—it's ai am reluctant to compliment Musk, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of like the move so far.
2: Uh, look, it's, it's the right move. There's no way that you can say, you know, uh, someone should, you know, you can't criticize someone for not agreeing to buy the Brooklyn Bridge from some bozo on the street, right? I mean, he's making the right move for him to make right now. And, you know, it's it's wonderful to see uh Twitter taking the task because they're holding themselves up as being excellent at their job and they're really, really terrible at their job.
0: Um anything else on the tech front, Colin, you want to share with the audience on the time of remaining?
2: This is uh this is the big thing, you know. Um typically what I would say is we are slow to cover Elon Musk making grand pronouncements via tweets because it's just free PR for him, but this is him putting the deal on hold. So this is what all I should be on. In yeah. Uh,
0: a- a- amen. Uh, let me throw one more your way, though, because I can't resist the Ministry of Truth head. Nina Jankovic has uh, wants to edit tweets. She wants certain people to be allowed to edit tweets that other people send who are not verified. I uh, who she is just never stops impressing me in terms of the, the delusions of grandeur she has and the, the thought that she's rose this far in the echelons of our government it is truly frightening. But what does she actually want to do?
2: Yeah, she wants uh, verified accounts, but not all verified accounts, because she says there's too many awful conservative crime thinkers who have that that check mark. So, first of all, she probably wants to eliminate a lot of verified accounts. But secondly, she wants these people like her to be able to go in and say, okay, Alex Marlowe tweeted about the laptop from hell. She wants to be able to add a note to your tweet saying, well, actually, 50 security uh, heads said that this is fake Russian disinformation. And then, you know, and then people have to read her edits on your tweets. Uh, it's it's truly it's truly, you know we we joke that she's the minister of truth, but that's exactly what it is. So you know she yeah, wants to she wants to add notes to everything you say and read. Yeah, sure.
0: yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, how is it going to be when there's conflicting verified accounts? I have a verified account. I know that the, she won't be allowing me to edit tweets, and I'm sure she loved edit my tweets if I choose to tweet, which I usually don't, but sometimes.
2: Well, all right, if, Carl, she, if she had yeah. a way, you wouldn't have a verified account, Alex. That's that's the other shoe that's going to drop.
0: Yeah, that's certainly true as well. Colin Medine, Sir Tech Editor bright Breitbart News. Great reporting. Thanks for the emergency visit, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Colin. We we'll am take a break, and John Carney will join us. It always educational when John Carney joins us on the broadcast. He's our economic and finance guru, who is not just a reporter, but someone who I think deeply understands some of the minutiae machinations of our economy and why the numbers are what they are and how long they'll be where they are. And we get into a lot of the specifics of the Biden inflation and the baby formula crisis. Let's roll it. One of the reasons why, John, is uh, I had to push you back uh, just a touch because the breaking news with Elon Musk putting the brakes on the Twitter deal. I have to admit, and you guys know I'm as skeptical of Musk as just about anyone, uh, it seemed like the right move given that Twitter seems to clearly be lying about how many bots are on the platform. It seemed just like uh, they just walked into a huge trap. It's probably going to cost them a lot of money. Uh, What do you think?
1: I think that's very possible. That's what he's clearly concerned about. He did say he's in a subsequent tweet that he's still committed to the deal. But if Twitter has been lying, uh, both Twitter and its executives will be in a lot of trouble here because you're, they make statements to the public that uh, mislead shareholders, including possibly Elon Musk. If the amount of fake bots is much higher than they have presented – Uh, You know, a little bit won't matter if it's a percentage higher or something, that won't matter. But if there's a third or, you know, who knows how many fake accounts there are out there, uh, uh, you know, if, if one third of the accounts are fake, that means their business was much smaller than it has been. They could be sued by both advertisers who will say, like, I gave you money to advertise to people, not bots. And they could be sued by shareholders who will say, you know, I bought your shares because You told me you had this many users. And obviously also by the Federal Trade Commission, the SEC, you know, the amount of lawsuits they would be facing could be enormous. And Elon Musk doesn't want to inherit that stuff. So, you know, he probably has to say, I got to find out what's going on with this.
0: Yeah, that's certainly interesting. Uh, John, uh, let's get into the inflation data, consumer price index, producer price index. Uh, What do we need to know? And most importantly, I think, how does this compare to what the expectations were?
1: Right. You hit it on the nail with that. Both the producer price index and the consumer price index came in much higher than expected. So in other words, you know, the professional economists who get paid a lot of money to call this stuff had said, you know, we think that it's going to, you know, we're going to see inflation come. These numbers come down a lot more than they did. And one of the reasons they thought that was because we were already dealing with really high inflation. Why did the numbers come in much higher than they did, especially on a year-over-year basis? Because it turns out that they revised up the inflation numbers for February and for March. In other words, inflation was already running higher than we thought it was. So that boosts up the year-over-year numbers. And so what that means is that even though – inflation slowed in March, actual prices are much higher than economists thought they would be in, in for the month of April. Uh, so we're dealing with much more uh, inflation than anybody expected. That means it's going to be much tougher for the Federal Reserve to get it under control. It's not sort of just naturally coming down as much as people thought. That's one of the reasons we've had this giant stock market sell off is because people are waking up to a fact that you and I have been warning about in the Breitbart Business Digest day in and day out that inflation is running hotter than people think and that that's going to mean more pressure on the Federal Reserve.
0: So if there's more pressure on the Federal Reserve, do we get the impression that it's too late for them to be able to stave off an in inflation if there are policies in place? Uh, I imagine this is one where there's probably a variety of viewpoints on it, but what do you think, Carney, and what do you think the economic community's consensus is uh,
1: is right now? I think that the there is worry that the chances of a recession continue to move higher because the Fed has to put more pressure on the economy in order to bring down inflation. I don't think it's a lock that we have a recession. I think that the current makeup of the Federal Reserve is actually very recession-averse. I think somebody like Alan Greenspan would have been like, yeah, put the economy into a recession. That's fine. We just need to get this under control. Certainly a Paul Volcker would. But right now, the, the current makeup of the Federal Reserve, including Jerome Powell, who is the Fed chief, They don't want a recession they really want to avoid it i'm not sure they can but they are trying very hard so they could decide we'll let inflation ride a little longer in order to avoid a recession i don't think you know i think there's a lot of policy decisions in that i think that raises the risk even just the fact that people think that will make it harder to get inflation under control because remember a lot of this is psychological and if people think the fed will be gun-shy when it comes to fighting inflation, then inflation will go up even more. So uh,
0: what happens next, do you think? What happens, do you think that there are moves that are made that are uh, the increase or decrease based on these horrible numbers? Uh, do you think that there's anything that producers or consumers are going to start doing to behave differently given this uh, latest rash of
1: horrible data? Yeah, you know, you can even peak some of this in the inflation data we've already had which is that you see inflation start to spread down market prices go really high for steak. So people say, okay, you know, I'm not going to grill steak. I'm going to, you know, grill some hamburgers. Right. Uh, the people who would have been grilling hamburgers moved down to hot dogs. And so what you see is the uh, spread of inflation from the more expensive goods to the cheaper goods. We're also seeing inflation spread a little bit from, uh, goods, right, the, the, to services. So people, so prices start going up. And this is inevitable, right? Now, restaurant counts as a service. And of course, you're going to see eating out start to go up, right? Uh, and because the prices of everything that you, you have to buy, to eat out, go up. You see, uh, we're seeing stuff like airline fares go way up. I think last month may have been one of the highest jumps ever. In airline in airfares, uh, we're seeing hotel prices go way up. This is going to crimp people's crimp people's summer vacation, and I think that will have a psychological effect of making people worry even more about inflation.
0: All right. Well, here's the other big one, which is specifically um, the which is specifically the baby formula shortage, which we've got going on, which is of course a potential for ca- catastrophic. Uh, results if babies are suffering. I think that both literally and politically for those in power this could be pretty devastating. But what is, this, what is happening? Why do we think there's this shortage? Who's to blame for it? Is, there, is the picture clear
1: yet? It's becoming clearer. First of all, this didn't happen overnight. So the Biden administration should have been preparing for this. And why do I say the Biden administration? Because this is a national problem. It's not a problem that you know, some state could have taken care of. We have a FDA. We have you know, so it has to be taken care of nationally. And it has and it, and it was clear months ago when you started to see shortages start to rise. We, you know back in March, there was a shortage at like one- third of all stores either had not enough or were out of baby formula. That all crept right. up to 40 percent. We're probably at 50 percent now. So the Biden administration should have sounded the alarm, found out exactly why we weren't producing enough. It's not like we have a ton of babies suddenly. That hasn't happened as far as we know. Uh, so it's that's not causing the shortage. We have a shortage. Yeah, of- And as uh, I've
0: related to the audience uh, a couple of times that, you know, my preferred formula for my baby, who's three and a half months, is was the it was really tough to find a month ago. So it's these it wasn't mm-hmm. like overnight it just became and then now it's completely gone and it's I'm basically cleared out of our second favorite and then I'm sure that will go and then we'll soon we'll be on you know whatever's the remaining.
1: well there's a little bit like a bank run that happens in these things you know the ba- classic bank run is somebody hears a rumor that the bank is running out of money so everybody tries to withdraw their money all at once. That's happened a bit with baby formula too. you walk into the store you see half the shelves are empty what do you do? You say, oh, there's a problem here. I'm going to buy extra. It doesn't last forever, but if, if it's unopened, it can last quite a while. So you can hoard this stuff. And so I think people and hoard sounds like a bad word. People are just acting rationally. They see it's running out. They want to make sure their kid gets what it, what, you know, their kid needs. And so they, you know, they buy a little extra. That exasperates the shortage of course. And that's why, you know, people keep sending me photos of empty store shelves. Uh, if you go into, you know, any of the big, um, you know, box stores—Target, Walmart—you're probably going to encounter at least partially emptied shelves. And you know, people keep sending photos of completely emptied shelves. No more baby baby formula in lots of stores.
0: So, so uh, is there any sense of when this crisis will resolve itself? Or get it resolved?
1: could go on for months. One of the big facilities that makes baby formula uh, is still shut down. It's been shut down for months because there was wor- worries, concerns over possible contamination. Remember, this stuff is, you know, this is, we're putting it in infants. And so, it, you know, who don't have great immunity, uh, you need it to be very clean. They're kind of made in scientific labs. You can't just, you know, turn your, you know, what the place you're using to make soft drinks. Into a baby formula factory. They are doing some adjustment. Um, I heard that there's a plant that makes like uh, insure for older adults into a baby formula factory. But these adjustments are not easy to make. And there's not a lot of excess capacity in the system at all. So it could take quite a while before this repairs itself.
0: That's horrifying, and it will be, as I noted, truly devastating politically for the Biden administration if they can't get a handle on this. So uh, I hope you're wrong on that one, John, but unfortunately you're not wrong very often. I got American All right, that does it for today's show. A really hot one today, and I do think it's a good chance to remind you that we are live every morning, series XM 125, The Patriot, 6 a.m. Eastern Time and on the SXM app, and you do get a little more variety in terms of additional guests, a lot of callers, uh, a lot more that comes throughout the show, which is uh, recorded live every morning, so you should check that out as well. Thanks to producers Haley and Greg Evan, Robert Marlowe, helping pick topics, and all of you who share our content with 10000 friends and family members make everything possible hope you have a great weekend